Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30pm to 2pm Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. The Life Story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba and this was first featured as part of Thursday Life on June 20th 2013 Sairam dear listeners and welcome to yet another segment of Afternoon Satsang Both me Arvind from Team Radio Sai and my brother Prem from Team Radio Sai both of us are very excited because all said and done there is nothing more beautiful than to discuss and talk about Swami's life Swami's stories his leelas his mahimas and his teachings Well last week we had discussed about how Swami declared to the whole world to the whole universe in fact that he is sai baba he has no attachments to the family and he has come because his devotees are calling him and therefore he announced that he was no longer bound to all the earthly relations his relationship was that between that of the jivatma and the paramatma and from now on would be the launch of the shri satya sai mission and joining me as always in this discussion is prem sairam prem sairam arvind and sairam to all listeners of radio sai from whichever part of the globe they are tuning in from and yes it is it is quite exciting to talk about swami's life and the wonderful coincidence that we had a couple of weeks back when we exactly on the day when swami declared that i am sai baba we got to speak about swami's <laughs> declaration yeah i remember that and you know we're talking about uh, this you know the other thing which we came up with the 1940 1943 and in when swami declared swami said my devotees are waiting for me mm. and literally it was true because after this the period which we are going to talk now you know we will see how swami attracted people and that attraction went beyond geographical boundaries and you know the, the difficulties which were there in reaching this place Exactly Prem and you know uh, I remember that uh, when we were having our pre satsang discussion I remember that very pertinent point that you made that uh, you know now today we know that because of that information that was fed as swami's birthday being October 1929 therefore there is a discrepancy apparent discrepancy of 3 years in all the records so while it is true that swami was 14 when he declared that is 14 according to the school records right. which means biologically swami's body was about 14 plus 3 about 17 year old and because of this you know uh, we see in all the records the earliest records of swami's visits to devotees or devotees flocking to him from places like bangalore and nearby cities of anantpur it all happens towards the end of 1943 Right. And you remember how we were wondering that what did Swami do from 1940 to 1943? <laughs> exactly. And and when we realized that it was October 1943 which seemed to be the most likely date. Mm-hmm. And in fact very mysteriously in many of the discourses where Swami is talking about his declaration date, Swami never mentions the year. Exactly. He says uh-huh. 20th October. 
एंड कंसिडरिंग इट वॉज नाइनटीन फोर्टी थ्री ट्वेंटी अक्टूबर इवन बाई द दशरा ऑफ नाइनटीन फोर्टी थ्री विच माइट हैव बीन कपल ऑफ वीक्स डेज कपल ऑफ डेज ऑफ डेज ऑलरेडी डिवोटीज वर कमिंग वर्शिपिंग हिम थर्सडेज वर बिकमिंग सो स्पेशल डेज एंड एस कस्तूरी गरुड डिस्क्राइब इट इट वॉज बिकॉज दैट दीज डिवोटी स्टार्टेड कमिंग and they couldn't wait till a thursday to worship swami <laughs> the worship of swami started every day <laughs> exactly but i think prem we are slightly jumping ahead mm-hmm. before all this started you know we had left all our listeners uh, that swami had promised his parents in oravakonda that puttaparthi will be my headquarters and i shall come to puttaparthi right and so we have to now you know travel that part of the story where swami returns from oravakonda to puttaparthi a day before swami returned something very interesting happened at his home mm-hmm. to his own sister venkamma right right you know after swami had revealed that he was the reincarnation of sai baba that was after the incident may 23rd 23rd of may on many occasions she had pleadingly asked swami to give her a picture of shirdi baba that's what uh, i think uh, kasturi also refers to swami refers to one particular thursday and swami says on that day i will give it to you hmm and i think that was the day when swami was actually traveling back okay and considering that it takes close to or more than 24 hours even to come from uh, urukonda swami was traveling that full thursday and she was wondering how will it happen that we, swami will give me that picture on thursday and she says that she was sleeping in her house in the middle of the night she hears somebody calling out to her saying amai amai since the call didn't persist she thinks that there must be somebody in the neighbor's house hmm. so she continues to sleep and then she hears some kind of a, a grinding noise okay inside the house so she imagines that to be some rat or some snake you know they have these bags of uh, corn kernels in the house hmm. they store the grains and the other pulses so hmm. she hears this from behind one of those sacks Hmm. So she imagines that it must be some snake or some rodent or something. Hmm. So since that sound persists, it seems she takes a, you know, the typical oil lamp and she goes to that corner, and there she finds something white. And when she examines it, you know, deeply, she finds that it's a crisp white piece of paper rolled into a cylindrical, you know, roll there. Hmm. And when she takes and sees. And there it is. I think it's a picture of Shirdi Baba. Exactly, and uh, it's a very special picture of Shirdi Baba because in that picture she's able to see uh, Lord Rama, Lord Krishna, Lord Hanuman, all of them embedded within the image of Shirdi Sai Baba. Right. Uh, you know, as if saying that all the lords are in Sai Baba. This is the Sai Baba that I say I have. So it was indeed a beautiful way. a very miraculous way in which swami gifted his own sister a picture of shirdi sai baba and interestingly as i was just telling you something back you know i i just came across a discourse hmm. i think it was in 2006 or something okay so swami was talking about venkamma swami was talking about subamma venkamma and all those devotees who were around swami in those early days hmm. swami said even this venkamma she was very devoted to me and once she asked me for a picture of shirdi baba and i <laughs> gave her a picture and you know anybody who heard that statement wouldn't know what happened <laughs> in okay. that process you know so swami when he was away from puttaparthi swami comes in the form of whatever he came in and gives it to her and swami says she asked and i gave it to her you know as a matter of fact <laughs> yeah because you know swami keeps saying 
what is ashcharyam for you is sahajam for me Absolutely. meaning what is surprising and shocking and stunning for you is natural for me and miracles are his you know calling card it is so natural it's such a natural phenomena for him and that's why when he speaks of those miracles also he speaks of it very casually just like i would say that you know i got brinjals from the market and gave my mother he says mm-hmm. that yeah i got a photo and gave it to my sister i mean if we just think a little bit this was somewhere in the 1940s 1943 to be precise where was photo developing where was this photography industry that too it was just prevalent in the cities where in uravakonda where is puttaparthi and and this kind of delivery through thin air i mean amazing such a huge miracle actually well uh, swami came from uravakonda to bukapatnam and then from bukapatnam he traveled to puttaparthi right it is said that the roads were so bad and they were in such bad condition that swami and the other youngsters uh, preferred to walk beside the bullock cart in which they were traveling because it was such a bumpy ride right. so there was a bullock cart that ferried them from uravakonda to bukapatnam <laughs> you know in parts that's all because half the journey they walked but the last leg of the journey from bukapatnam to puttaparthi which is Currently, this day it's about five to six kilometers by road, but those days it was just about three to three, four kilometers mm-hmm. because it would cut across the Bukapatnam tank. Okay. Now this Bukapatnam tank gets almost all its water from the River Chitravati. Mm-hmm. The River Chitravati in the pristine glory days would flow into the Bukapatnam tank and then overflow from the Bukapatnam tank and proceed ahead as the river. Okay. Uh, then for a few years it began to end in bukapatnam tank mm-hmm. and now there is neither the tank and the river is a very small trickle that's all but those days it used to be filled with water and it is said that swami walked from bukapatnam to puttaparthi across the waters in the tank okay. he didn't walk on the water he walked through the water the river chitravati was in spate mm-hmm. okay because we see during september october that is a time during dasara time we used to find even chitravati full even in the last 2 3 years right so swami walked across but it is said that as he emerged out of the river his clothes were absolutely dry there was no wetness anywhere <laughs> you know think of this prem uh, in his school days he had only one uniform he would wash it we narrated this right i mean he would wash it and wait for it to dry wrapping himself with a towel waiting for the clothes to dry and put on and now i mean now we realize how swami comes down to the level of man like they say the descent of god so that there is the ascent of man comes down to our level i mean he could have easily kept his clothes dry all the while but this was one way now that he had declared he sai baba he was also showing that he sai baba and that also brings us to the other important thing which swami would refer to many times in the later years hmm. the classification of swami's early years huh. swami would say 16 years the first 16 years are the years of leela and the next 16 years are mahima the, the 16 years that follow that is that of uh, upadesha but you know swami also mentioned that these will not be watertight exclusive compartments you the leela will continue as we all know and as we all have experienced even till the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and 2000s <laughs> that leela always continued i have one small doubt here prem i mean i don't know if you can help me resolve it do you know what is the actual difference between a leela and a mahima well, that's uh, <laughs> i wouldn't be able to define that completely hmm. but you know leela is something which is uh, as the name suggests something playful okay. like you know 
definitely has, that's that's exactly what swami said you know the upadesha will be there even in the leela upadesha will be there even in the mahima hmm. you know mahima is miracle okay where coming out and god saves somebody out of her, this one or does something which is so extraordinary that it draws the devotee Huh. But Leela might not be as Swami says a calling card. Leela might be just for the, you know, the God's play, as okay. it's defined. Hmm. But Swami said that even in that Leela there'll be Upadesha, even in that Mahima there'll be Upadesha, and even when it comes to Upadesha there there'll will be, be Leela and Mahima. Leela and Mahima. Yeah, thank God for not making them watertight compartments. Otherwise, where could you and me have got the chance Absolutely. to experience really, Leela and Mahima? You know, even as you're telling about talking about that, uh, Swami walking through the river and coming out hmm. dry. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things which we hear very often is, I think recently also, one of the boys shared with us, like how when they went for the interview, mm-hmm. he still had this monkey mind troubling him. How does Swami materialize objects? You know, mm-hmm. how does it happen? So in their interview, Swami did not give them objects. Swami gave them some bundi. You know what you call the ladu in ah. the form before it is made into those. Uh, given it, that form it's a, a sweet sweet particles which are actually rolled into a ball to right. make the laddu that's the laddu so the sweet uh-huh. particles and uh-huh. swami materialized that and asked the boys to cup their hands and swami was putting into each of their hands and the boy was saying that it was hot okay and it was dripping with ghee okay as if okay. it has just been f- yes, fried just now. fried and got and swami gave it to them and he, and he said that after they had the bundi uh-huh. they had to go into the inner room to wash their hands there was a wash basin there some oily oh, so, you know, full of ghee but the swami who went around distributing it his hands were absolutely dry he didn't even have to use his handkerchief to wipe it and you know just to say that leela never ended hmm. and upadesha was the very purpose for which he came wasn't it this is my own uh, thought prem you know i was thinking yesterday when i was reading this part about when i was rereading this how swami walked through i was just thinking you know in the bhagavad gita the atma is defined as something which fire cannot burn water right. cannot wet arrows cannot destroy naina chindyanti shastrani and it goes mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so i was thinking here was another subtle hint as Uh, that swami was giving in a practical way as to who he is you know he was walking through water and water cannot wet me because i am that immortal atma that supreme one that has come down in order to elevate your consciousness to to that level so even that was how swami came back to puttaparthi and the other thing you know one one thing maybe we missed out we should again reemphasize that mm. when swami declared swami made very astoundingly he said something which i think we will refer to even in the later satyam shram sundram discourses swami said my name is sai baba hmm. and he said i am from the apastamba sutra hmm. in bharadwaj gotra hmm. you know that was again something which stunned them correct first of all swami is referring to some shirdi baba hmm. then he is saying i am from bharadwaj gotra apastamba sutra and you know i think as late as in the 1960s was the time when swami actually revealed what was the inner meaning of this declaration Oh yes, right. I think yes. So that's maybe we'll keep it for the, the 1963 Guru Purnima. Right. Yes, it's memorable, and I'm sure many of our listeners will know it. But we will relive it in the chronology that it comes. Right. In the meanwhile, when Swami came back to Puttaparthi, he went and began to stay at his father's place, mm-hmm. that is Pedavankama Raju's place. But Swami was a totally changed person, if we can say so. I mean, he, as we, this also we said last time that he would no longer mingle with all his friends, or he was a more reserved person. Right. He would become silent. Swami started a new thing of worshiping Shirdi Baba. You know, do a worship. A photo of Shirdi Baba was put in the room. In fact, it is said that there was only a single room in that house, and Swami occupied it. 
<laughs> Before I tell that Prem, I think you should say how Swami got the name Swami. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, of course chronologically it comes later because uh-huh. that Kuppam family, we all know very well about that book Anyatha Sharanam Nasti uh-huh. written by Mrs. Vijayama. Hmm. And you know, that's a book which is so beautiful. I'm sure every devotee of Swami has to read it. In fact, when we uh, interviewed one of the people who were born in that family, you know, Mrs. Gayatri Gupta, a mm. former student of the Anantapur campus, mm. she was saying that to one group in the interview, Swami mm. said, this book is going to become a miracle book. Okay. He said, in the days to come, people will keep it in their altar and mm. it will receive prayers and transmit blessings. Wow. You know, this wow. is what Swami told one devotee when they asked about this book, Anitha Shannam Nasti. That book has now been translated into many languages. Mm-hmm. In English, the book is called Other Than You Refuge, There Is None. There is none. A literal and direct translation of the Sanskrit uh, phrase Anitha Shannam Nasti. Dear listeners, a must read because it will fill us with joys of our little Sai Krishna. And in fact, that was a family. They came, I think, in 43-44 as we discussed. Mm-hmm. One of the first few families to come. And they were the ones who spontaneously referred to Swami as Swami. And Swami liked it. And Swami liked it. So, uh, actually during these days, Swami was not called Swami. Different people called him different things. Right. Uh, some people called him Sai Baba Abbai, meaning that Sai Baba boy. <laughs> some people called him Balasai. Balasai. That's how he got the name Balasai. So, different people referred to him by different names and he did not seem to mind. As he would reveal in his later discourses, call me by any name, I shall respond. In because fact, Swami himself used to call one name, very funny. Huh? You know, in some of Swami's Padyam, he Swami used to say, Putta Burra. Putta Burra means? Means, I, I don't know the exact meaning. Huh? Swami would say that Swami's hairstyle was like, if you put a basket upside down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know, some, somebody has given that name to Swami or it's a name which Swami himself took hmm. upon himself. <laughs> Well, so Swami would, um, yeah, Balasai would Balasai, do puja. Satisai was another yeah, name Sat- which came by. Satisai also came up after that because his, his name was Satyam and he is a Sai, so Satyasai. That's how Bhagwan Shri Satisai Baba came to later on. Because we are used to, dear listeners, we will be referring to Swami as Swami. So, uh, Swami was worshipping Shirdi Baba and, you know, he would materialize different objects of worship and do the worship. And you know, here an interesting thing happened. Different people began to ascribe different reasons for Swami's powers. Somebody said that, you know, he is worshipping Shirdi Baba <laughs> and that's why he has got these powers. Some people said that, you know, he had eaten that prasad in that Devi temple and that's why he has got these powers. There were even some fools who said that in the Uruvakonda region, there is a special kind of scorpion which has a golden tipped sting, you know. And they say that whomever that scorpion stings, they will achieve great glory, fame and name. Mm-hmm. And so they say, even to this day, some people think like that. And they say that it was that special scorpion that stung and therefore Swami became Swami. You know, I, when I was uh, listening to this or reading all this, I was just wondering how foolish people can get. You know, we are ready to trust glory and divinity upon a scorpion. <laughs> but not ready to accept that in somebody who has taken up a human frame. Because, you know, you know just mentioning in the same, uh, in the same line... Of course, it's a little aside, mm-hmm. but even when I was trying to read some of these old accounts of Swami's life, mm-hmm. you know, about Subama and Karnam Kamalamma, mm-hmm. you know, there were some websites, mm-hmm. of course, we don't suggest anybody to read those things, like, you know, they were systematically trying to disprove some of these uh, accounts. Mm-hmm. And every time to disprove this account, they use somebody else's account. Okay. okay. 
to you know make you not believe a person's account you are actually using somebody's account <laughs> which is as obscure as this one so it is almost like i have chosen not to believe so all that i can use to not believe i will not believe and i think that's one thing which happened in this time of swami's life you know mm. because everybody around swami whether they were a believer or non believer had miracles to witness correct because everybody saw it everybody was seeing swami giving uh, form in darshan in some form of deity or the other swami performing miracles swami materializing you know every villager saw it but i'll i'll tell you know one miracle like this uh, it seems one day swami called all of them mm-hmm. means whoever had gathered there and he said you know i will show you something beautiful okay look up in the skies mm-hmm. they all looked up in the skies and they saw it was in sometime in the afternoon and they saw the stars <laughs> you know we usually see stars after 8 pm and here there were people means unless you are living in a country like norway which is the land of the midnight sun mm. you will not see sun in the night and you will not see stars in the day <laughs> unless you are in a planetarium show maybe but here were people who in the middle of the afternoon began to see the stars and you know everybody were not everybody many people were thrilled they said my god this is god this is a miracle and you know what the critics said at that time the critics said what are you ascribing him what is the special thing he did there are already stars you don't know stars are always there it's just that we don't see them during the day so it is not any miracle because we can see stars i mean what can you tell for this you quote a scientific fact saying that stars never disappear they're always there we just don't see it during the day don't you think why how is it that you're seeing <laughs> it during the day there is also a miracle where swami it seems would ask the people mm-hmm. to place their ears on his chest and when they placed it they would hear the melodious flute notes of lord krishna absolutely i mean that is a devotee's account uh, the others would say that this is some kind of you know uh, breathing because of which air is blowing somewhere and some sound is coming so for a devotee he would go into ecstasy thinking that he is hearing the notes of lord krishna's flute the critic would say that this is a magic of nature which is happening only on swami's chest but what may as is one's thoughts and feelings that is what the benefit one received while one received just doubts the other received the experience of the divine really and you know it actually takes us back to our last week satsang mm. where we said you know it is one thing to seek these kind of extraordinary occurrences from mm. swami but it is swami's grace that he does not give it to us unless we are prepared to receive it correct you know, because the example which with these people who were around swami showed us that you know things were happening in front of their eyes but since they were not mentally prepared for it since they had not yearned for it and had not sought it it actually did not leave any mark on them swami used to uh, use one sanskrit term to refer to such people you remember he used to say pashyan api na pashyati right. mudho 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 you fool you see even. and yet you do not see right you know uh, When Swami used to do this this worship, Shirdi Baba worship, there used to be two girls. Mm-hmm. Swami's cousins actually. Pedda Venkama Raju was his father. Okay. His father's younger brother was Chinnu Venkama Raju. So his uh, daughters. Okay. So Swami's cousins. So the name was one was Jayamma, the other was Lakshmi Devamma. Mm-hmm. So they were very intrigued by what their cousin brother was doing. You know, they would peep into the window and they would see that he is worshiping. So one day when they were peeping. Swami just said both of you come in without even looking back <laughs> so they were you know little in awe and little in joy because now they were being called in to participate so they walked in and then swami told them 
why don't you sing so they said i mean balasai i don't know how they addressed him but they said you know brother we we can't sing we don't know to sing he said i will teach you to sing will you sing and swami taught them bhajans some of which are on shirdi baba mm-hmm. i mean um, Though this is recorded, I have not heard these bhajans. But they say that these bhajans had references made to the neem tree, to the margosa tree, right. to dwaraka mai, to the dhuni, you know. And he taught these two girls to sing. And this was the first time where bhajan singing got its current form, you know, where there is a lead and a follow. Mm-hmm. So it is said that the father of these two girls began to play the harmonium, and there was another uncle who played a percussion, and Swami himself would be the follow, not the lead. <laughs> so the two girls will lead, Swami would follow, and that is how the current style of bhajans that we have, where a lead and a follow style, came into existence and being as far as the Sai avatar was concerned. Beautiful, you know, just reminded of what happens when the little boy Druva actually sees Vishnu. Hmm. You know, after his penance, Vishnu appears in front of him. He's after all a five-year-old. Okay, he Correct. doesn't. He's not mastered language, so he's in awe. He's looking at Vishnu, and he says, "I mean, the author describes that he wants to extol the Lord. He wants to praise the Lord, but he doesn't have the literary capacity to do that." Correct. Yeah, he's a child after all. Right? Yeah. Huh. So it seems Vishnu, uh, Lord Vishnu, takes that conch and places it on the young boy's cheek. Okay. And transfer some knowledge so that he can sing to his heart's content. <laughs> ah, otherwise he'll be just doing goo goo boo boo baba. <laughs> right. So you know that's exactly what Swami was doing in those initial years. Beautiful. They didn't know how mm. to sing Swami's praise. They didn't know how to worship this Lord. Maybe they didn't even know that this Lord was so precious. Mm. But even without their knowledge, Swami was teaching them how to worship them. And in fact, started this bhajan sampradaya, which has become such an important part of. You know the Sai movement itself. In fact, today many people are drawn to Swami simply because of the bhajans. The bhajans, right? Well, Swami's popularity, you know, it followed him from Uruvakonda. Uh, so many people, usually the kind of people who would come to Swami were those who are having medical problems, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, medicine was a big problem in this. Forget uh, tertiary and secondary healthcare. Even primary healthcare in the region was a big uh, casualty, and often people would go to quacks. or other you know self made doctors who would give remedies ranging from chanting a few mantras to applying cow dung to eating few bushes you know <laughs> those kind of remedies so just to give an idea how backward this place was hmm. the kasturi rites after swami came back to prati a recruiting officer comes from hindupur hmm. in a jeep and that was the first time the villagers in prati were actually seeing a motor vehicle oh now then you can imagine what a situation in fact uh, you know when swami in his discourse narrated the incident where uh, he went for the eslc examinations to penukonda right. and uh, wrote the exam for two of his friends right in that he narrates of how people used to be scared of this thing called the train <laughs> so he would say that people would talk like it seems it is a demon with only a single eye <laughs> it belches out smoke I means that is how they used to talk so they were absolutely unaware <laughs> the steam engine and all came in the 18 and 19th century right. 18 um, so you can understand the medical scenario during that time so uh, therefore a lot of people came for getting medical assistance and swami obliged you know he, he treated them and healed them merely with his words or sometimes by giving vibhuti so his fame began to grow and uh, another if we can say speciality that swami took up was uh, treating those who were afflicted with spirits and right. who were obsessed you know possessed i mean yeah 
exorcist yeah so swami became the exorcist <laughs> the divine exorcist so it was in this time that is in the october of 1943 mm-hmm. within days of swami coming to puttaparthi that one lady by the name subhadramma okay from a village nearby kadri mm-hmm. you know kadri is about 80 kilometers from puttaparthi so in those days imagine swami's glory had traveled up to kadri mm-hmm. 80 kilometers away within days of declaration so subhadramma she had had a very tough mother's life okay she had seen six miscarriages mm-hmm. six miscarriages and she was expecting for the seventh time and she was very scared every member in her family had said that she has been possessed by an evil spirit which is wiping out her babies and therefore she cannot and they began to you know outcast her mm-hmm. consider her uh, herself as a embodiment of the evil spirit so it was under such trauma that she visited puttaparthi okay and when she came to puttaparthi swami came straight to her you know swami came straight to her and told her you are worried about your child i will assure you that in 3 months within 3 months from now you will give birth to a healthy and smiling bonny baby boy mm-hmm. i will bless him also and swami gave her vibhuti and said rest assured and go back you need not worry about anything and then you know 3 uh, months later it is said that you know the birth certificate records it as such on january 4th 1944 a baby boy was born to sharadamma in kadri and uh, in the month of january itself we i am going slightly ahead mm-hmm. but by january 1944 itself swami had started off his travels okay you know so at that time he was at a place called kuttagulla k u t t a g u l l a kuttagulla where uh, swami was giving darshan and blessing the devotees so this lady she came to know about this and kuttagulla is close to her place so she took the baby boy and rushed to swami the baby was hardly 2 weeks old at that time mm-hmm. and uh, you know she has narrated it's recorded that it seems sw- the baby was crying and crying and crying and swami picked up it continued to cry and swami you know chichi kuku swami played <laughs> in baby tongue okay. with the baby stopped crying began to smile and then it said that the little baby you know what we have seen sai geeta do in that joy urinated okay and that fell over swami's robe uh, swami's uh, he used to wear a kurta at that time not a robe yeah. so swami smiled and he said this baby will live long a healthy life and swami named that boy as sainath oh and sainath to this day lives in kadri wow and he is embarrassed when he is told that what he <laughs> did as a young baby boy <laughs> but he is very thrilled to have been blessed with such a birth so you know these kind of things began to happen in fact uh, one more person was brought to swami who was you know seemed to be, have been possessed he was flailing out his hands and legs violently and kicking and injuring whoever came near him swami told everyone to leave him alone and swami held him by the hand and took him inside the hut he said he walked out with a smile on his face completely calmed and you know so so many things like this happened that swami's father pedavenkam raju began to get scared because at all times in the day as you said people would come and knock on the home so he decided that this is getting out of hand so that is when he locked up swami in a hut okay and he told swami you're not going to get out you're creating havoc mm-hmm. he took quite some time for swami's father himself 
to get convinced of his son's divinity and you know that happened in a magical manner right that was a beautiful incident just before coming to that you know many devotees actually talk about that phase when swami used to cure people of their okay person being possessed by spirits mm. in fact you can imagine we've seen photos of swami in those years mm. swami used to be so lean you know frail very very frail and fragile literally mm. and there would be these huge men and women who used to come to him being possessed by violent spirits and they used to say that there were times when some would lift up that whole person by holding their hair mm. they all would wonder from where this swami is getting this strength and you know there would be one slap and that person would fall to the end and in fact there were times when some would relate all these stories to students and say you know i am not weak okay i've done all these things <laughs> you know i used to lift people and throw them and all that kind of stuff and he continues to do that today also prem <laughs> the divine exorcist of course different kinds of spirits and ghosts get hold of us the ghosts of materialism attachments and to this day swami continues to exorcise it and give us the calm and peace with that we were hitherto lacking in life the divine exorcist continues in his mission definitely and the beauty is we never knew that we were possessed exactly in fact some that's the first step some he said that you are possessed and the second step was the cure coming to pedwenkumaraju and his moment of truth hmm. you know when he realized what sami was as you said he was all through in a state of confusion he he didn't know what to make of this phenomenon which was happening in his household hmm. and kasturi aru describes that scene one day it seems he's sitting in subama's house karnam subama the person whom we'll refer to very, very shortly very shortly yes. you know he was sitting in this karnam subama's house mm. and swami was in uh, pedwenkamraju's house mm. and he was being visited this uh, subama's house was being visited by one krishnamachari advocate krishnamachari whom we have spoken about even in the earlier satsangs oh that same person who uh, did akshara abhyasam for swami for swami okay okay yeah. and he was an advocate who was settled in penukonda because hmm. was, you can understand because of his uh, education he would have been looked up as a very you know wise person i also remember that he was one of the foremost who uh, even criticized swami saying that he has gone mad and he's hallucinating right. this is just a case of medical lunacy uh, lunacy that's what yeah. he says So this person comes and he asks Swami's father straight away what's happening what is all this hmm. and father very frankly says i don't know i don't know what to make of it it's all a mystery to me so in the conversation krishnamachari starts accusing the father he hmm. saying you're trying to cheat the people you know hmm. the simple folk of this village you're cheating them through your son hmm. and you have some ulterior motive and all that oh hmm. so pedwenkamraju gets very upset you know by this barrage of uh, comments which he is getting so he immediately he walks up to swami in his house and he starts accusing swami he saying mm. see this is what people are saying about me because of what you are doing my name is getting spoiled <laughs> literally <laughs> okay and then uh, swami says okay you go and bring whoever is there mm. all those non believers you bring them mm. i will deal with them okay okay so he goes back to subama's house and all of them actually there are a couple of others also uh, he brings all of them and swami turns to subama and asks do you want to see the samadhi in shirdi Okay. okay that's what swami asked her hmm. and she says yes swami of course you know we've heard so much about it we would definitely like to see so swami says okay come with me hmm. and swami takes her to an inner room and as you said the house was so small the only room which was there swami had taken it in fact hmm. the room which swami stayed was 8 feet by 8 feet that was the inner room that was the bedroom that was the living room that was right. everything and that was the room swami stayed in until the time he moved out so hmm. swami took her to the inner room and when she stepped into the inner room Swami said see do you see there and she saw uh, something like a temple there 
and there was a samadhi a person was sitting next to it and reading some sacred text there were agarbattis there were flowers and swami said that is shirdi samadhi okay and swami said do you see there and swami pointed to a hanuman temple hmm which is there in shirdi and you can imagine she's walked into a room and there is an open space a panorama of shirdi the panorama of shirdi literally and swami says see in the distance swami shows the margosa tree oh and you can imagine the thrill of subhai as you said these were all framed in verses and were sung till those days you know and she was swami was showing her each of these scenes and she comes out and she's all thrilled and she calls this krishnamachari and says you go and see hmm so one after the other swami takes each one of those people in that group even the father even the finally the father okay and shows them the whole scene hmm. and the father says that that was the moment when he says that you know i i completely believe in what this boy of mine says and in fact kasuri writes hmm. after that he goes to all his family members and says don't trouble this boy anymore you know when you were speaking about this darshan i uh, i was reminded of another darshan because this stage as you say it was the overlap between the leela and mahima stage and at the zenith so many people had darshan of swami in so many ways ganesha vishnu dashavatar all this so i'm reminded of one more mm-hmm. where you know all the villagers they decided that this boy is becoming a kind of a negative influence on the village he's taking them on the wrong way so some of the village elders came together and among them was also subama because she was the wife of the karnam the okay. accountant right. of the village so she had influence she had wealth she had property i mean not compared to the current day but in the village in those times she was among the well to do so all of them you know she was very pro swami she was pleading on swami's behalf while everybody else were criticizing so they decided to test swami and subama also wanted to be part of the group because you know she wanted to be there to ensure that nobody does anything stupid mm-hmm. so they go to the hut where swami is staying and when they reach there swami looks at them and tells oh children you have come mm-hmm. come in what do you want so you know first of all they are all surprised being accosted like that when they go in because it was in the evening there was no electricity those days there was one single petromax lamp that is burning and it's lighting up the hut so they sat inside swami told them to close the door and he said what is it that you have come for they told him swami who are you you know we want to know who you are the minute they expressed that the petromax lamp went off and it was pitch dark mm-hmm. and then suddenly exploded a huge ball of light and in that light they saw swami was sitting but not on the chair he was sitting in a reclining posture on the adishesha the seven hooded or nine hooded serpent on which lord vishnu sleeps rests and reclines and that adishesha that huge snake it's actually in a calm state but the minute these people see it flares up its hoods mm-hmm. and it's huge scary terrifying in fact it even turns towards them and brings out its forked tongue mm-hmm. more than out of awe of swami out of fear for the snake they start screaming swami it's enough swami it is enough swami it is enough the minute they scream the whole scene disappears the ball of light is gone and the petromax lamp comes on again and swami is sitting there on the chair and what about everybody everyone i mean subama definitely everyone too have tears in their eyes and with tears in their eyes they rush to fall at swami's feet begging forgiveness and then swami says no vaddu bangaru vaddu you are all elders don't do this today when i look at it i feel swami doesn't give them the chance of padnamaskar 
but he doesn't allow them to touch the feet and how many things like this you know when people have asked swami who you are he has shown himself as dattatreya he has shown himself as vishnu as shiva as ganesha i remember a member of the venkatagiri family sharing that when they wrote a letter you know telling about swami they said this is sarva devata swarupa you should come and have a look he is the embodiment of all gods they say that when the letter reached the recipient the text had been changed it had become he sarva devata tita swarupa he is the embodiment of all gods and beyond that too i mean that is our lord can we ever understand his glories it is humanly impossible to understand the mahimas and glories of our lord sai as a famous poem goes even if saraswati uses all the water in all the oceans as ink and all the land available as paper and writes for all time to come still she will not be able to capture the glory of swami absolutely dear listeners the other beautiful part of this satsang is that we are going to listen to some of the very old and beautiful songs which were composed in this time in fact you know many of these songs were composed for a context something mm. awesome would have happened and something extraordinary, extraordinary happens. happens and they would frame it in a song that's mm. how and just like what we were saying the visions which swami gave nobody could understand what he was was he a uh, you know a repository of uh, divine wisdom or was he the divine itself or what was he and one of the songs which were if composed, he is divine is he shiva is he vishnu krishna but he is showing everything he is showing dashavatar he is showing the vision of shiva he is showing the vision of dhatra sai baba shirdi baba shirdi baba and everything uh, a muslim fakir and everything he is showing and you know this is one beautiful song written, written in such a context teliyega tarama narulu kanugona vashama can it be understood your glory and can normal men actually understand you and the second line goes paramatapo nidulakaina brahmakunaina hmm. even if you are one who has done immense penance or if you are brahma himself the creator himself the creator himself can we understand your glory and we'll just listen to the song and much much more wonderful stories are coming on the other side of the song
After that beautiful song, we're going to continue. As you said, you know, Swami was giving visions to so many people, hmm. and innumerable during that time. Especially, I think the most exciting was Dashavataram. A lot of people came to Swami and said, "We want to see the Dashavataram." Because it was, you know, like an action-packed movie where you see different. You know, in Dashavataram, there's the fish form, the kurma, the tortoise form, then the most feared Narasimha form. you know it's a range of <laughs> avatars so it's also preferable because you're getting to see 10 with one darshan <laughs> literally you know and this one of the first which swami gave was to a devotee from kamalapuram you okay know, that must have been area where swami is already very popular mm. so to them actually swami called the whole family <laughs> that's the thing you know if you see have one person seeing a vision mm. one person seeing something extraordinary you can say it's hallucination But here, Swami had given the whole family the whole Dashavataram darshan. <laughs> and there was another person, you know, Kasturi writes about him, a retired health inspector. Hmm. To him, Swami shows the third eye. Swami shows oh. flame coming out of his forehead. Doesn't mention it as third eye. Shows that immense light and fire coming out of the forehead. And the poor man passes out for seventy hours. <laughs> My God! If I may be allowed to interrupt here, you know, we had. an elderly devotee narrate these incidents and they have been beautifully captured in that unforgettable dvd video called the advent right dear listeners this is a sai blossom product it's called advent it's part 1 among the four parts in case you have not watched it you must because it briefly recapitulates swami's early childhood and how swami launched off his mission of giving darshan and solace to the devotees it also captures glimpses of swami's trip to africa and different festivals that happened at patamandiram and in the old prashanti a beautiful video 1 hour 48 minutes of sheer and pure unalloyed bliss and joy divine joy all swami lovers do ensure that you grab your copy of the advent it's available in hindi english and telugu well and in fact it's the same person mrs vijayma the author of uh, anyatha shalam nasti she describes some of these scenes in fact those were you know those were scenes which all of them had actually witnessed mm. vijayma we've heard it from jayma madam mm. the former warden and principal of the anantapur campus mm. you know she was also one of those youngsters who were part of that group correct in fact there's one uh, incident where they say one girl padma she was a college student then Hmm. Uh, in Satyamshram Sundaram, the mention of her is there. Hmm. Swami takes them to the Chitravati, hmm. and it's about seven in the evening. Hmm. And when Swami shows them the sun, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you know. And so many amazing uh, incidents like that. And one of the things which, which is mentioned even by the Kuppam family, is even today. I'm, I'm sure you are aware of that Sahib Cheru. You know, oh yes. When we go to uh, when you go to Karnataka Nagapalli. and karnatanagapalli which is just across the bridge from puttaparthi yeah. and from there you take a right to head towards kadri right on the way on the side of the road there's one huge tank which is a favorite haunt today for many of these migratory birds because right. that is the biggest water body in the region 
So yeah, that is Sahib Charu. So Swami would go there. with some of these people of his own age group oh, that's quite far yeah and you know some you just walk down and they all like a picnic they would go there okay and swami would make them tie ropes to the branches of trees and make a swing aha okay you know, these ropes which they use for pulling water hmm. swami would make them make a you know a swing and swami would get on top of it and swami would ask them to swing as violently as possible you know literally hmm. and in during one of those times swami actually gave the vision of krishna swinging Wow! Wow! They saw the scene of Vrindavan, where those ropes actually turned into creepers. Okay. With flowers, and there Swami was standing there as Krishna with a flute. You know, Prem, these regions that you're talking about, these now they are not so heavily, but two three years back, now they have been cleared up for agriculture. Mm-hmm. But two three years back, this region around the Sahib Charu had quite some forests, you know. And I remember loitering there, spending many an hour. chasing birds for photographing them you know even as you narrated as i felt so thrilled that these were the same areas where Absolutely. swami also spent a large part of his teenage years and i definitely feel dear listeners that whenever you are in puttaparthi it's just about 5 kilometers away from puttaparthi we should make it a point to visit all these places and imbibe the sense of history and the glory of the divine avatar that they have nourished right and these are all modern day you know brindavan <laughs> literally exactly and this was the time again when the kalpavriksha got its second lease of life literally you know uh, and okay. swami again revived the kalpavriksha tradition the same tree which swami visited as a school boy and you know would uh, pick up fruits which the boys asked for swami mm. again started taking devotees there okay and there are innumerable incidents where swami would it became the kalpavriksha officially right. after that <laughs> Well, uh, it was in this period that Swami stopped staying at his own home and moved out to another home because the number of people gathering became so huge. Like Swami would say, "I'm getting allergic to this family environment." That's what Correct. Swami said. <laughs> yes, that is also there. Swami would say that I'm getting allergic to the family environment. He was, I mean, he's born renunciant, but he had decided that for those first few years of his life. the members who got the chance to be family will get his proximity and after that it's over so that is how swami moved out to the house the larger house of karanam subama right now uh, karanam subama as her name suggests was the wife of the karanam or the accountant the um, official of the village so the karanam had two wives karanam subama and karanam kamalamma both of them so these co-sisters both of them were very devoted to swami in fact the main hall in their house became swami's bhajan hall where um, up to 40 to 50 people could gather you know that was supposed to be a huge <laughs> number of people in those days and um, both subama and kamalamma felt that you know swami is all the while engaged in bhajans interacting with people giving them so he sharing so much love so they would spend all the day cooking food for all the people who had come and they had kept aside one small room you know attached to the hall as swami's room okay. because that is where he will go if he just wants to you know uh, brush up his freshen hair up. or freshen up or change his clothes that was his room and swami began to use that room to give the first ever interviews in history <laughs> he used to call the devotees in for an interview you know what that room was called what was it called it was called korika room oh <laughs> korika meaning desire so it became an unspoken rule that when swami is attending bhajans or satsang in the hall nobody should get up and ask their own 
desires you know that swami i am my health is like this or this is that no problem seeking there everybody who comes will invariably get an interview in the korika room and that is where you express your desires and swami will you know give the appropriate answer or reply Actually, you know in the process swami did such a beautiful thing because as we were talking about these visions hmm. invariably swami would give the vision of the ishta devata to that family or that person who came what they desire right. huh. the the deity whom they worshiped correct you know their favorite deity the form which they uh, felt comfortable with hmm. swami would give the darshan of that hmm. and here was again swami you know making sure that your relationship with god is a very very private and a personal uh, you know has a personal flavor to it hmm. swami would have this differentiation of this is a gathering and this is where you come and open up with me correct so swami was actually in the process entering each of these houses as a personal deity as somebody whom you can relate to in a very personal level and in a subtle way i also uh, feel that you know swami brought in that a uh, thing that when you are praying because it was a bhajan hall it is where the prayers are done when you are praying don't ask for you know health wealth right. careers they are not when you pray for god you have to pray for the ultimate in a very subtle manner by discouraging people from asking for such things in the prayer hall you know swami brought in that when you pray it is not these that you ask for i think that is another thing that only the avatar can teach in such a powerful yet subtle manner there would be occasions when they would run out of food because you know right. people would come day in and day out in fact it is uh, kamalamma who went up to swami one day and said swami why are you working so tirelessly day in and day out midnight you are giving interviews to people why don't you take some rest you know what swami told her swami told her kamalamma if i take rest now even crows and dogs will not come to see me I have to work Kamalamma I have to work but don't worry a day will come when I will not have to do anything and people will flock to me in thousands <laughs> and you will live to see that day and Kamalamma indeed was there till the 1980s 1990s and she got the chance to see those days and she related you know to an interviewer she said that I remember those days when Swami called me and said Kamalamma I'll tell you one secret I am really God <laughs> Believe me Kamalamma I am God you will see my glory one day It is so different those days and today and she had tears in her eyes she, when she said that even to this day Swami has become devudu he is ruling the earth but still every now and then he sends sarees for me he has not forgotten me <laughs> you know so that was how they would keep the kitchen active just just an aside even as you are telling this uh-huh. there was one elderly lady who was there again in the 1950s and late 1940s mm. once swami during his birthday celebrations you know mm. just mentioned to her during my 60th birthday i will come in a silver chariot drawn by white horses oh ba okay okay and this lady actually laughed Huh. She said Swami you have two pairs of robes okay <laughs> okay and your room is so small you have nobody here you are in such a god forsaken place and you're talking about traveling in a silver chariot drawn by white horses okay and Swami pretended as though he was offended hmm. okay and Swami said it will happen and Swami looked at and told all these people will go off because they were all elderly people all these people will go off but you will live to see it Hmm. And she said that with years that proximity was gone because the devotees' numbers increased, and during Sami's 60th birthday, she couldn't even enter the the stadium. She was one of those people who was standing on the road waiting for the chariot to come. And she said, even as the chariot passed, 
from the chariot swami spotted her looked at her and smiled wow reminding her of that day when swami said you will see it really what what a master planet it even just listening to this prem bring so much of thrill and joy in, in the heart so yes karunam kamalamma and subama right. you know they had an amazing wonderful experience both these ladies throughout their lives never bore any children you know see that's one of the reasons why the karunam married the second kamalamma and even kamalamma could not give him any child kamalamma recounts that one day you know they they saw swami doing this worship to shirdi baba and and swami was apparently very deeply involved in that worship so they invited swami and said swami please come home so you know swami went to their home in those uh, knickers and you know wearing a shirt mm-hmm. he brought along with him one more member of the family and he went to their home for lunch and you know in 1943 mm-hmm. at that time these two ladies had recognized his divinity when they served swami this might have been probably for the first time in swami's life but they served swami in a silver plate with silver bowls oh. they served the food mm-hmm. and the other person who had gone along with swami they did not expect swami to bring along guests you know nowadays everyone knows that when swami comes he gets along an entourage with him they had not expected him to come mm-hmm. so they served him on a banana leaf he was shocked i mean he was getting on a banana leaf and here was swami who was eating off from the silver plate and swami did something that is very typical of shirdi baba you know swami took all the different things that they had cooked in different bowls mixed them in one big heap in the center and consumed it that way okay even till you know i remember in the delhi trip even till then swami would have his food that way he would take one one spoon of everything mix it and eat it together you know <laughs> nothing like keeping separate and taste and all that so after he had that they presented swami with a dhoti and a kurta okay for him to wear and that is when swami started wearing a dhoti and a kurta at that time you know when they fell at his feet swami told them he said you know both of you will not have children in this birth and when they looked at him in shock he said but i will be a son for both of you <laughs> and then he did not stop there you know beautiful so loving you know swami i don't know what to say of this swami said but because of this foster son you will be put to a lot of hardship but i'll be forever indebted to you for that and i assure you that you will not have any more births after this that ultimate gift swami gave and they must definitely have been very very deserving souls and it is seen in the way they served swami by serving his devotees swami always used to say that don't serve me serve my devotees serve the devotees in fact recently i was speaking to one of our colleagues in radio sai arvind sai he told me that swami told him the same thing when he had to sing he said just ensure that the devotees ears are not bleeding <laughs> if they are happy swami is happy swami's concern was always the devotees and that is where karanam subama and karanam kamalamma played a huge part in swami's mission hosting him at home and serving all his devotees with utmost love and care there would be times when food will be in shortage right because you know i think uh, the explosion of people who came to swami hmm. they did not expect the rate at which it happened hmm. so th- number of times they would realize that they they would have cooked for much lesser people than they actually turned up correct so those were the times when once swami went into the kitchen 
and Swami asked for two coconuts hmm. and you know they very fascinatedly describe how Swami would strike two coconuts together break it into complete two perfect halves, halves hmm. each of those coconut breaks into perfect halves hmm. Swami would sprinkle that water in the food and Swami said now serve hmm. and how they'd be you know that was the first time many times later Swami has done that but that was their first experience of Swami turning food into Akshaya and uh, this period I remember Prem that uh, though the Mahima phase had begun and you know the miracles and the glories everybody was struck in awe Swami's playfulness did not fade you know uh, it would happen that you know when Swami had to travel to the nearby villages it would be by bullock cart and now that Swami had become Swami that is Sai Baba there often would be a retinue there would be a caravan of 6-7 uh, bullock carts and many other pranks that Swami played during those times mm-hmm it also brings us to another phase of Swami's life where again Subhama plays a very important part but before we come to that hmm. he is actually Kasturi notes that when Swami was going to Dharmavaram hmm. with a small retinue and it was sometime in the middle of the night there were about three or four bullock carts in the caravan hmm. and Swami and few people of his own age were walking behind and suddenly Swami just slipped away from that group and they were all searching you know where was Swami hmm. and just then Swami appeared as a young girl uh, you know when I was reading it in the book it was so fascinating mm-hmm. it so happened that Swami was along with Sister Venkama okay. in her cart so he slips off telling that you know I am going to walk and come so Venkama feels it is fine suddenly uh, Swami's friends get a young lady mm-hmm. and they tell that you know this young lady is on the road so she needs help and um, Swami has said that she should sit along with you because you know the ladies So, Venkama sees that through the partially covered veil, she sees that it's somebody who is very beautiful. In fact, she even wonders how, what is such a beautiful lady like this doing in the middle of the night on the road? Mm -hmm. Has she been abandoned by her husband? Whatever, she tells that I, it is not for me to think because Swami has told she should be taken in, I take her in. Mm -hmm. Sometime later, this lady starts laughing. She starts laughing in the cart and Venkama wonders what happened. And then... She opens the veil and that lady is Swami. Okay. And this Swami is laughing at his own sister and telling you could not recognize your brother. I mean, he did not refer to himself as her brother, but he said, didn't you recognize Swami? And he laughs. So, as the Mahimas went on, his Leelas too were on. Yeah, you know, that was one thing. Connecting it to what Swami said, the family atmosphere is something which I am not liking. Hmm. Many times Swami would vanish. You know, Swami would not be seen in the house. And Correct. as you said, they, was, they used to try locking Swami, but when they opened the door, Swami wouldn't be there. <laughs> and you know, that was a time when Subama used to cook food for Swami. She would take it and search in the hills and in the caves looking mm. for Swami, mm. carrying food. Because she would know that Swami would be sitting somewhere and Swami wouldn't have had food. Mm. So in that age, she used to climb up, you know, every one of these hills searching for Swami and offer food. In fact, one of the discourses, Swami describes that very beautifully. Mm. No, he would say that Subama would come and uh, he'll ask, ah, Subama, what have you bought for me? Mm. So she would say, Swami, I brought some idli or I bought some ragi or whatever. And Swami will have a bit of it and Swami will say, no, I don't like this. Give me something else. Mm. So she would actually carry three or four varieties of food for Swami. You know, thinking that Swami might say that I want this, I want that. And Swami would say, no, give me upma. No, you give me that, you give me this. And then, you know, during one of those times, Swami told her, See, Subama, you know why I am doing all this? And she said, no, Swami, you know why I am troubling you like this? Hmm. 
Swami said, because the future people have to know what devotion you had. Hmm. Swami said, people will have to know how much love you had for Swami. That none of these things actually put you off. People will know that. Really, Prem, it has to be only that because, you know, just a few years before that, what Swami used to have, Ragi Sankati. The ball that Swami's uh, mother would make and put it in a cloth, it would be sticking to the cloth that Swami had to dip it in the flowing water of the river or the pond there and then eat it. A Swami who ate that without a single murmur, do you think he will complain that he wants some variety of dishes? And today the kind of regard that we have for Subama, in fact, Subama is equated with Yashoda. A second mother fact, for Krishna. Equated by Swami himself. Hmm. The discourse Swami says, just like how Yashoda was to Krishna, Krishna. Subama is to me. That's what Swami used to tell, you know, Ishrama is like Devaki. But the mother who really fostered had me the and fortune of fostering me was actually Subama. Correct. Because if we see uh, the story of Lord Krishna too, Devaki definitely is the birth mother for Lord Krishna. But everything else, you know, taking care of Lord Krishna and being a witness to his Mahimas, to his pranks, his Leelas, that fortune went to Mother Yashoda. So here was the modern day equivalent of Mother Yashoda in Mother Subama. Talking, as we said, of Subama, Kamalamma, you know, uh, she used to uh, write letters. She had a brother Mm -hmm. who stayed in Bangalore and she had uh, a sister she was so thrilled that she wanted to let them know about Swami. Okay. So her sister, I think, was Sarojamma and her brother was Krishna Murti. Mm-hmm. So her brother stayed in Bangalore and her sister stayed close by, not in Bangalore. So to both of them, she wrote out letters telling mm-hmm. that, you know, there is one miracle boy who stays at our home. He does bhajans at our home. He is Rama. He is Krishna. He is everybody. He is <laughs> amazing. You must come and have a look at him. So then, you know, they when her sister and brother, when they found out that this was a Bhat Raju, then that was the caste. I mean, we are all Brahmins. How can we go to a Bhat Raju? You know, Brahmins were considered as a top caste, after which come the Kshatriyas, then the Vaishyas, then the Shudras. So they said, we are all Brahmins. How can we bow down to a Bhat Raju? How can we? This is not fine. And uh, that was when Karanam Subama would step in and convince them, telling that, was not Rama a Kshatriya? Was not Krishna a Kshatriya? So, Swami is also Kshatriya. It does not the whole world. Do not Brahmins bow down to Krishna. So, we bow down to Swami. So, when this became too much, uh, that was when Kamalamma's brother, you know, Krishnamurti decided to come and have a look. Mm-hmm. Now, Krishnamurti was, what we can say, a paying guest. <laughs> okay. So, he brought his hosts also along. Mm-hmm. That was how Narayana Sharma and his wife, Savitrama. Okay. They came to Puttaparthi. We will see a lot of Narayan Sharma and Savitrama in our future uh, discussions also. But when they came to Puttaparthi, it was a very, very memorable trip. They did not come together. You know, as always, somehow the ladies are more amenable to Bhakti. So, Savitrama came along with the daughter. And they stayed. And the daughter, you know, Shanta, Swami asked her, Where is your father? Mm-hmm. She said, Swami, my father will not come. He's an orthodox Brahmin, so he won't come. Swami said, no, he's coming. He's coming with one more boy along with him. And so another student who was a lodger at the same house, mm-hmm. Narayan Sharma came along with him, the okay. father. When he came to Puttaparthi, that was the day Swami said, let's go to Chitravati. Mm-hmm. You know, Chitravati, as we discussed, has been a home for many, many Leelas. This was yet another. 
so we took them all to chitravati and it was a fun time a lovely time for an hour or so after which swami said everyone to leave mm-hmm. and he just told narayan sharma that you don't leave you stay back okay so narayan sharma stayed back swami took him to the river and said see what do you see there he saw and said swami i see my own face mm-hmm. swami said next to your face what do you see swami i see your face mm-hmm. swami said see again and as he looked in the place of swami's reflection mm-hmm. there came a halo okay. a halo of light and in that halo one by one this narayan sharma saw the dashavatar and at the end when it came to kalki avatar there in the kalki avatar riding on the horse the face was that of swami mm-hmm. he got overwhelmed he fell at swami's feet and swami told him narayan sharma buck up <laughs> buck up and prepare because you are not going to live for long mm. then he said swami please give me moksha then swami said that is what you will get but remember you are not going to live for long mm. but don't worry i will take care i will take care of your wife i will take care of your daughter too and in fact when narayan sharma goes back to his wife his wife savitrama tells that swami had told her that you know they were trying to get a son Swami had told her that you will not have any more children. This only this daughter will be there, and but don't worry, I will take care of both of you. So that is when the two, you know, spoke. And few months after that, uh, Narayan Sharma passed away, and Swami had materialized different things and given to the daughter and the mother, and they preserve it to this day. So that was one episode that took place on the Chitravati. Right. You know, talking of Chitravati, there are so many beautiful incidents which happen in Chitravati. And in fact you know that was as you said there was an interview room in Subhama's house but very soon we will see that Chitravati is going to become the interview room <laughs> because you know some of these old devotees used to mention that when Swami wants to give you an interview or a personal audience after the bhajans Swami would take that person for a walk okay you know in the banks of Chitravati or into the woods hmm. they would go for a walk 45 minutes one hour in which Swami would talk and Swami would bring them back and uh, one of the things which happened you know as we said first swami stayed in his house then he shifted to subama's house where he was hosted by karnam kamalamma and subama but even during those days prem swami would uh, spend the whole day at subama's house but at night for sleeping he would return to the father's house okay hmm. so you know during that time as you said there was always this apprehension of swami being a non brahmin hmm. and the karnam's family being a brahmin there was one incident because of which swami actually moved on from there hmm. that was when one of the other brahmins in the village was kind of offended by this closeness between subama and this raju boy hmm. so she you know pretending to be very pious invites hmm. swami for a lunch okay. Oh, okay she invites swami and a few of swami's classmates and you know the same age group boys who used to be with swami invites them for lunch and she prepares some vadas you know hmm. what we uh, very fond of so fried food yeah some you know, lentils and all that hmm. paste, made into a paste and fried so what she does is she makes good vadas and only in two of those vadas she puts poison you know oh with the god. idea of uh, finishing of swami oh my god okay hmm. and she gives, serves the good vadas to all swami's friends and gives those two special vadas to swami and pretending to be very devoted she sits by swami and makes sure that swami eats the two vadas and swami also as though he doesn't know he happily munches and eats the vadas and swami comes back to subama's house hmm. and this lady follows swami very stealthily because she wants to see 
with her, you know her task is accomplished hmm. and when she peeps into the house and sees she finds that swami is beginning to vomit you know swami catches his stomach and pretends that he's having a stomach pain and he starts vomiting and subama is wondering what happened and just then you know what swami does swami vomits out two vadas in whole. a whole form oh okay you know he has actually munched and eaten and chewed them and eaten but he actually vomits out the two poisoned vadas completely and seeing this the lady comes and falls at swami's feet hmm. and you know she seeks forgiveness and swami in fact tells that this was the incident after which swami says that i should not stay here anymore okay uh talking about uh, this incident where somebody is jealous i also remember there was one more incident of uh, some hut being set on fire right. was it also yeah, at this time this was after this because after this incident happened hmm. subama says that let us put up a small you know a dwelling place for you okay and that is when they build the small hut where swami used to stay okay okay which was i think precisely where the old mandir came up later okay you know, hmm. a very small thatched hut was built and so old mandir that means at that time when the hut was built it was outside the village yeah that was outside the village <laughs> talking outside the village it's only 2 minutes walk from subama's house even now that plot where subama's house used to stay is there hmm. you know just beside the uh, uh, shivalayam but it also speaks of the kind of opposition that swami faced right. within the ho- own right. village you know, itself swami i think willfully wanted to move away from the hmm. village and uh, subama and few other people who were you know very close to swami they built up that thatched house hmm. and during that time it seems during the night some of swami's friends used to sleep around the hut okay you know or in the nearby in the night they used to come and sleep there hmm. so one night somebody latched the door from outside and set the hut on flame oh the thatch on fire thatch on mm. fire and all these boys ran out and you know they go to the village call all the people and they say that you know raju's hut is on fire and when they peep in sami is like sabhi is awake and sami is smiling and saying don't worry i'll be fine i'll be fine mm. and it's a huge flame they're not able to put it off and just then they see that it begins to rain wow okay, okay so they're all very happy it's raining <laughs> the most strange and the most amazing thing is It's not raining anywhere else. It's raining only on top of the hut. <laughs> <laughs> a personalized right fire. And they're all standing around. It's not raining on them. It's not raining in the village, which is a stone's throw away. A cloud just above the hut showers rains, and the, the fire. fire is put off. And Swami comes out, and by then it seems Subama sends some people and catches these villagers who actually set this hut on fire. Mm. So Swami they were brings them and. Subama says that you know Swami, they should be taught a lesson. Hmm. They should be thrown out of the village. So then uh, Swami tells them you know, and the other villagers, see, it was only out of ignorance because they felt that I am harming them. I am hmm. harming the you know I am taking the people for a ride. They did it. It's not their mistake. So they should be forgiven. Hmm. So this was the incident which happened after Swami moved out of his own house and Subama's house, as you said. Oh, and okay. Then came the old mandir, which was okay. in 1944, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, and uh, one more episode, Prem. You know, uh, I spoke about uh, Kamalamma's brother coming, mm-hmm. and you know the incident that happened with Narayan Sharma. Now, Kamalamma's sister Sarojamma. Okay. She and her husband Shamanna. Shamanna was her husband. Sarojamma's husband. They also came to Swami, invited by uh, this Kamalamma. Okay. And you know, I was talking about Narayan Sharma and. Uh, Krishna Murthy, that is Kamalamma's brother, and they in Bangalore. Why I said they'll come later on is many times Swami went and was hosted at their home. Okay. In Bangalore. Uh, 
so now coming back to the sister so they also came to puttaparthi they came with their daughter whose name was jagadamba mm-hmm. now jagadamba suffered from one very strange condition she had a dislocated hip oh. because of which she found it very difficult to walk and apart from that from birth itself she had a very small left eye mm-hmm. it used to be swollen and red but very small mm-hmm. she could see nothing from that so it not only was a defect i mean she was blind in that eye not only was that it was also you know making her look ugly okay. because the face is mm-hmm. and so the parents were very worried about her you know they said uh, swami she may not live long swami said she is definitely going to live long mm-hmm. then said swami it will be a very tough life you know nobody will marry her swami assured the parents that she will not only live long she will also have a long you know sumangali life mm-hmm. a long married life happy married life and then swami said come here he called the girl he gave her vibhuti and picked up sand from the chitravati and he said daily apply vibhuti and on top of that rub this sand from the chitravati on your hip mm-hmm. so daily she would do that she would go to the chitravati rub chitravati sand on her hip and come back and uh, during the bhajan session swami would get up and go to the picture of shirdi baba on which there would be garland mm-hmm. randomly pull out some flowers from the garland okay. and go give it to this jagadamba girl and tell her you put this on your eye hold it there that's it mm-hmm. within 8 days she was perfectly fine 8 <laughs> days she got married and you know the story does not end there jagadamba narrates that when she was in the family way she was in the hospital in the last few months of her pregnancy one night you know she got to know this from the nurse the nurse sleeping there is woken up in the middle of the night okay and she sees there's a man standing in the maternity room ward so the nurse starts shouting at him who are you what is this you know this curly haired boy this who else <laughs> leela dhari swami standing there and the nurse has no idea who this is so she gives him a lashing telling don't you have shame this is not the way you cannot come into a woman's room he says listen i am not going to enter the woman's room but within half an hour from now patient number so and so at such and such a bed is going to deliver you can't be sleeping here get things ready and go there and jagadamba says within half an hour miraculously in the middle of the night the nurses come to her room and she delivers her baby bonny son <laughs> who is happy and so that is how you know swami literally delivered her from disaster and Uh, the promise that he gave it fulfilled itself and this is another miracle related to the chitravati <laughs> and you know talking of those early days one thing which didn't change for a long time was you know the dictum which goes a prophet is never accepted in his land and hmm. what can you say about an avatar then you know for a long time even though we spoke of how the lady who tried to poison swami came and you know gave in and became swami's devotee the people who tried to burn him alive came and begged for forgiveness this discontent and this kind of uh, you know uh, not accepting what swami was mm-hmm. was very prevalent in the in the local around mm. and you will see that <laughs> growing when people start coming more and more you know, from outside as as we were talking the other day as early as 1944 people started coming to swami in buses you know 30 people 40 people which were shocking for the villagers shocking and all the more uh, making them angry and aggravating them like you know it, it used to be a very common thing they used to say 
that when people come as you know you know they stop in penukonda they come to bukapatnam and then they walk down in all these stages people used to be dissuaded hmm they used to be told to go away well i think that will come further on in the future as we travel one final important incident that happened during this time mm-hmm. was the arrival of the digambara swami digambaras are considered those who wear the dik means sky ambara is clothes dik means direction oh the um, so direction digambara yeah. is the one whose only clothes are the four directions which means they are naked actually right. they wear nothing so there was this digambara swami who had been struck with some kind of paralysis of his legs he could not move his legs but he would be nude always and he would be carried around by four of his disciples and he arrived to puttaparthi to see swami and when he arrived the first thing that swami did was he took a large towel threw it at him and told him to cover his loins told him you wrap this around you and then swami told him he said if you really are detached the way your nakedness indicates why do you stay in society go away to the forest away from society be truly detached but on the other hand if you are seeking disciples if you are seeking name if, if you are attached then don't give a wrong impression that you are detached with this nakedness and then swami called him aside and with the love of a thousand mothers swami told him i know your heart i know that you want to go to the forests and dedicate yourself in the quest of god but you are worried as to what will happen to your food clothing and shelter and note swami's words huh? swami said even in dandakaranya i provided food <laughs> who was in dandakaranya rama sita and lakshmana swami said even in dandakaranya i provided food you think i will not be able to take care of you go whatever you wish to do boldly do it and don't worry the lord will be always there to back you and digambara swami returned with a smile on his face with clothes on his body back to where he came from and you know when this happened the people in the village really woke up because here was swami conquering not just another ordinary person but conquering whom they felt was a spiritual personage and that is when they realized that there is something about this lad there is something about swami and in fact you know when we talk to some of these very old devotees hmm. they say that the the personality of swami struck them in two ways hmm. one was his beauty you know even those who came as uh, people who didn't believe in swami were you know thrown away by the by the beauty that it definitely didn't look genetic or anything right, right? i mean he was so beautiful and the other thing was swami's self confidence you know they hmm. said a teenage boy who could stand up to any opposition because he believed in something which was deep inside and that actually shown like you know you can imagine a teenage boy and here is an old man who digambara swami was brought to him he had the confidence to tell him this hmm. you know that shown i mean of course we know that swami is god and you know the conference came from there but for the people who observed swami in those days they knew that he was not ordinary so i think we've had a beautiful discussion today of one of these early days of swami's avatarhood in fact it's just going to get interesting because as we said the chitravati days are yet to come and that was and the a time the patamandir days also right and the leelas and the mahimas just exploded 
and the interesting thing is you know even those people who came in the 1950s to those early prashant nilayam days they said oh god we have come so late <laughs> yeah you missed it <laughs> missed you know whenever <laughs> you have come to parthi people tell that you know you missed it these were the best years i remember when i came in 98 they said that when i mean i joined the school in 98 they told me you missed it in the 90s in the 80s awesome it was those who came in the 80s were told by the you should have come in the 70s i mean and today you are saying that those who came in the 50s were told they should have come in the 40s so i think you can never get enough of god but uh, sadly we'll have to stop it now because this is the end of the segment so we will be taking up swami's life next week too will be satyam shyam sundaram so hope that all you listeners are as eager as prem and me are any suggestions any feedback anything that you would like to convey definitely welcome please write to us at listener@radiosite.org Sairam you just heard an episode of our radio series afternoon satsang this is a discussion between radio sais prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was satyam shivam sundaram the life story of bhagwan sri satya sai baba this was first featured as part of radio sai's thursday live at 12:30 pm on june 20th 2013 we hope you enjoyed it your comments and suggestions are very important to us please mail them to listener@radiosai.org Next week same day same time will be the continuation of today's episode stay tuned thank you and loving sairam from prashant nilayam